All right, good morning, everybody. Um, thought I just dropped that. <laughs> um, before Rick gets up and speaks today, uh, they asked Maggie here and I to get up and share a little bit about our story as it relates to our time here at Westwoods. Um, so I'm Jake Stratman. Uh, I've been coming here for about two years now. And I'm Maggie Shefflin, and I've been going here for like three or four years. Um, we thought we'd just share like how we ended up here at Westwoods. Um, for me, I was going to a church previously in my college days that was much larger, and I just struggled to find community there. And so I was like, oh, no brainer. My parents go to Westwoods. I'm going to join them. And pretty much as soon as I walked through the doors, I just felt a big sense of belonging here. Um, I knew faces, and it just felt like home pretty much immediately. And I'm just here because of this pretty lady. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Uh, so... Um, like Maggie, I was born and raised in this area, but uh, I wandered for a while and went out to Michigan for college, and then I lived out in California for work for a while after that, and uh, story for another day, but I went through a lot of stuff out there that kind of left me in uh, somewhat of a broken place where I just needed a friend, uh, and when I was finally ready to move back here a couple years ago, um, my buddy Drew, who you may know, is he's uh, one of the pastors here at Westwoods. Um, him and I went to high school together, actually played football together, and uh, even had concussions at the same time. So if you see us acting weird sometimes, that's probably why. Uh, but he invited me to church at his home because this was during the COVID lockdowns. So Westwoods was having people host church at their homes with smaller groups to stay safe, but still have a place for people to come together and meet. And that's just exactly what I needed at the time. Um, and so the group of people that were meeting there for church on Sundays ended up becoming our small group, um, or as we call it at Westwood's here, MC, your missional community. Um, and that's also where I met Maggie, and we're now getting married in three weeks. So, <laughs> so you could say that worked out pretty well for, if that's not a plug for the MCs, I don't know what is. That's <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so a couple of things that we just have been highly impacted as a couple and just individuals as well is first, just the community that has just poured into us. Um, first, from our MC, or really it's just a different term for a small group. Um, we have grown immensely in our small group. Um, we are just so thankful for the growth that we've seen there. We have watched people come to Christ in our small group. We have followed along in death and graduations and marriages and babies and addictions and all kinds of things that we've just walked through together. And Christ asks us to not walk alone in our faith. And so we just really find so much joy and um, we just are so thankful for that peace that Westwoods has given us. Another piece that Jake and I get to do is we're leaders for some of the high school kids um, at the youth for Westwoods. And that has been just another way that we have been able to be poured into and pour into kids at Westwoods. And that just does something different for your faith as you walk in a small group with people, but then bringing kids or leading kids toward Christ is just 
it really truly does something different for your faith. Um, and so we truly have gained a deeper understanding of the Lord through that time as well. And for both really, it's not just people that go here. For our small group, people are um, that go to different churches are also a part of our small group. And for the youth of Westwoods also, it's not just kids that go here, it's kids from all over that join us here at Westwoods. So it's just been a really amazing um, experience and we're just very thankful for those pieces. Yeah, so in addition to these kind of internal community aspects that you know, these things build us up in great ways, um, but we really believe that following the way of Jesus is more than having these kind of internal communities, and it's definitely more than, you know, showing up on Sunday for a service. Um, we really believe that Jesus commands us to love our God and love our neighbor as ourselves, and um, we really feel that Westwoods empowers us to do that in ways that we couldn't do on our own, um, because it's hard to follow the way of Jesus sometimes, and this community just builds us up and facilitates our ability to uh, follow, the, follow those commands. Um, just a few of the ways uh, that we've been able to be a part of, um, both individually and as part of our MC, and even with the youth, is stuff like uh, Severe Weather Shelter Network, where we're involved with that program, which provides a place for people experiencing homelessness to have a roof over their heads when there's really severe, cold, wet weather. Um, and we get to like cook meals and bring them to them. Um, Family Promise was here a month or two ago, uh, which again is for families experiencing homelessness to have a place to sleep at night and be safe. And um, we got to be involved with that again with the youth. And um, even things as small as out in the lobby, you've probably heard it plugged that there's uh, bags you can grab that have snacks and water um, for maybe people you run into that are begging for stuff on, on the street corners. It's just a way for us to... Um, have an easy way to acknowledge them and give them something and um, just see them. And we just love how just having that available shows kind of the orientation of this church being towards people on the outside and showing love to the, to those around us. Um, so you probably heard that the motto here is belong before you believe, right? And that's just huge to us because it, it really breaks our heart when you hear people outside of the church in America a lot of times uh, would sadly say that the church to them, they think it's about like bigotry or hate or whatever, right? And so we love that Westwoods embodies this culture of belonging um, and we're so proud to be a part of this place that just, that we believe truly does just show love first to those around us. Um, so super happy to be here and just really excited to see what the future holds for this place. So, so thanks. <laughs> You guys are tall, even on chairs. Oh, Lord, thanks for Maggie and Jake. Thanks for what you're doing in their lives. Thanks for allowing us to be a part of it. I just think about the courage that it takes to, for them to share their story. Thanks for that. And ask that you would take that story and you'd uh, just mend it with hearts, find hearts that need, need that to heal, feel healing or hope for the, their situation. We love you and thankful for you. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for sharing. Oh, hey, my name is Rick. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, man, it's, it's great. I love this church. I love this family. And uh, we're actually talking about uh, the church the next four weeks. We're gonna talk about these pictures 
of the church. And, and uh, I personally grew up with some pretty crappy pictures of church. And I think uh, our culture probably take, takes some or shares some pretty crappy pictures of the church. I grew up kind of religiously connected to God, kind of a, in a tradition that's religiously connected to God. As long as I did a few things, then God would, would like me. And, and my perception was that God was like this police officer that was just following me, waiting for me to screw up so he could pull me over. That was kind of my, my thought process. And I remember asking as a kid, I would ask my parents, hey, what's about that church? What about that church? And the answer was always something that they didn't do. Like, oh, you can't drink at that church or you can't uh, do that at that church. You can't have premarital sex at that church because it leads to dancing, you know, those kinds of things. Um, thanks. First service, they were a little slow getting that joke. It's like the opposite, I think, is what they said. But um, it's sad, I think, growing up for me, the church is always defined by here's, here's what they Here's what they don't do. Here's what they're against. Here's what they're against. And we live in a culture, like Jake talked about, that, that lots of kind of crappy pictures of the church. And honestly, uh, the church has deserved a lot of those things. The church has been judgmental. The church has been uh, bigoted. The church has been uh, lying, saying, oh, these things matter. These things don't matter. These sins are bigger than these sins. And we have to own all those things. But what we, but, and maybe not but, but and what we, what we get to do is tell a different picture, to, to tell a more hopeful picture, to tell a true picture about, about who Jesus is. And actually, we started this church, we started uh, six of us in a living room in 2000, no, 1999, in the 90s. Um, and uh, honestly, one of our hopes is that we would just tell a good picture about who Jesus really was to a world that desperately needs to know it. And... Uh, uh, kind of against the backdrop of, of some other things that were going on. So the next four weeks, we're gonna talk about these pictures. We're gonna talk about a lighthouse that the church is called to be a lighthouse. That's four weeks from now. In three weeks, we're gonna talk about this AGM. I was talking to a friend of mine, Carl, who actually taught here a couple weeks ago. We were talking about this concept of a church. And he said, like, the church is kind of like an automatic, like a grace machine um, where you can kind of like, you can drop your failures and you can drop your shame and, and what you just receive is love and grace and truth. And, um, and what breaks my heart about that is I think so many times we think it's like this ATM, right? Like as long as we deposit some stuff, then we can get some stuff. As long as I do these things, then I can push some buttons, some magic prayers, and I push a button and I can get something from God. But that's not at all what the church is. We'll talk about what it means to experience a church as an, as an AGM and actually then to not just receive something but then become one of those for our world, <laughs> become a place, a person where, where people can make that exchange. And then next week we're gonna talk about the church as an inn. Jesus tells a story about the Good Samaritan. He talks about um, a person that's beat up on the side of the road. And this guy comes and, and uh, mends him up and takes him to an inn and drops him off at the inn and says, hey, here's some money to take care of his needs. Um, you take care of his needs. And when it, when it costs more than that, just trust me for the rest. And I really believe that that inn is a picture of the church. I think, it's a, I think that whole story is a picture of all of us. And I think that inn is a picture of the church. And then today, we're gonna talk about this fun thing. We're gonna talk about the hydrant, that the church is a, is a hydrant. Um, really a, a place where, where we can... Uh, not just receive this, this source of life, but become uh, this distribution of the source of life. So we'll talk about that um, real quick. And we've talked about this before. There's a, there's a big difference uh, in what our perception of church is. I wanna be really clear about this biblical definition of church. When, when you read church in the New Testament, it's, just, it's this translation of this word, ecclesia, 
in, in this Greek word ekklesia, that means gathering. It means us. And um, I'm, I'm not fluent in lots of languages. In multiple languages, I'm not fluent in. One of them is, one of the languages I'm not fluent in is German. But there's this German word, uh, Kirsch, or if I say it right, I'm gonna choke. So just know that that is the word um, that uh, English Bible writers have taken that word, made it church, um, and, and which isn't a bad thing, but what that does, when, when we associate church with this kirche or this building, that's what that word means in German, like this building, um, then we miss the whole point. Um, and we talked about, I think coming out of COVID, uh, we talked about some of these things. Uh, a K word, I'll just say that, uh, is, is exclusive and ecclesia is radically inclusive. In, in, in a church, if, if church is a building, then it's what in, inside that matters. And, but in ecclesia, it's what's outside that matters. Does that make sense? And it's opposite when it comes to us. In, in a church as a building or a church as a program, it's my behavior that matters. But the, in the ecclesia, it's my heart that matters. Church is about programs and ecclesia is about people. Church is a place that you come with a fake face on and ecclesia is a place where you can be yourself. And then this is how I knew it was this little note I wrote out of COVID. You can lock the doors of a church, but you can't stop the movement of an ecclesia. So we wanna be really clear about that and and, um, as we paint a picture of what that looks like. Here's where we're going. Uh, I, I want us at the end of all of this to, to pray with sincerity uh, and just ask God to give us a vision of the church. And because we are the church, a vision of our lives. Does that make sense? Because when, when we have a clear and compelling and powerful vision of the church and we realize we are the church, then what that translates into is not just a clear and compelling and powerful vision of an organization or uh, a a mission statement, what it becomes is a clear and compelling and powerful vision for my life, for the, for the way that I live every day. Uh, That's my hope. And and I know that lots of us carry lots of different things from, from uh, church. Maybe some people have like no background at all. Some people have a very healthy background. Some people have an unhealthy background, dipping their toe in to try and find a healthy background. So here's this great thing. The Holy Spirit can take uh, us today, can communicate to you what you need to hear today. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna open up the, the word together. Will you pray with me? Whew, Jesus, thanks for this vision of the church that we're gonna look at. Thanks for this, this picture of a church. And God, will you, will you paint it in a, in a clear way to our minds and our hearts, in a compelling way, in a way that, that moves us from where we're at to where maybe we need to be? in a powerful way because we don't have the power <laughs> to just grit our teeth and make a decision to change but we need your power to, to move our minds and our hearts or to wrap them around a vision that's bigger because God we just, we just admit that our world needs it we need it we're just reminded fresh that this week that we live in a dark and and difficult world. So God, just take this moment to think about those families involved in the shooting in their room. 
really racially motivated shooting in Buffalo. Pray for, pray for my sisters and brothers of color that just feel like they're victims of these kinds of things over and over and over. Pray that they would feel loved and seen today. And God, then help us to catch a vision for our lives. That makes a difference. We love you. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we open up to the book of Ezekiel. It's in kind of in the middle, maybe a little bit left, a little bit towards the back. Uh, if you don't have a Bible at all, grab one that's right around you. Grab a pen. We're going to take some notes. If you don't have a Bible at all, just put your name in the one that you just picked up and take it home with you. We'd love for you to have it. Uh, it's like in the early 600s, Ezekiel 47. Let me just catch you up about what's happening in Ezekiel. Ezekiel is a prophet and he's having this vision of God. This angel Lord is showing him this picture of the temple, this future temple. The temple is the place where, where God dwells, his, his, the place of his power and presence. And, and in uh, Israel, in ancient Israel, it was very exclusive. There was a place where if you were non-Jewish, you could go. Then there was a place that, that only Jewish women could go. And then if you're a Jewish man, you could get closer. And if you were a certain priest, you could go closer. And if you were like a very special priest, you could go into the middle. And like, it's all just all this exclusive stuff. And one of the things that we see in Isaiah or in Ezekiel chapter 40 is in this description of the temple, there's no court of the Gentiles. There's no court of women as he's describing it. So it's, it's talking about this radically inclusive temple and in the very center of the temple was the most holy place the holy of holies the place that was the representation of God's presence and one of the things that happens uh, that we talked about at Easter when Jesus was crucified when when uh, he paid the price for for our disconnection from God and our sin it says that the that the temple that the curtain in the temple was torn in two and it's, it's like it would release the power and presence out of this this fractured kind of thing into the world and that's what we're going to catch it we're going to see that picture starting in in verse one of ezekiel 47 so if you want to follow along the man this is the angel that's given him this tour of the temple brought me back to the entrance of the temple and i saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east for the temple faced east the water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around to the outside of the outer gate facing east. And the water was trickling from the south side. And one of the things I want just to ask to recognize as we begin to think, think about this as a picture of the church, the impact is outward. It's one of the things I think that breaks my heart about the, about the church is the church largely or sometimes becomes this, this pool of, of love and grace and inclusivity. But this pool is inside of like Rapunzel's tower. Does that make sense? Like, like as long as you crawl up the ladder and don't fall back, as long as you make like 10 good steps in a row, you can experience what we're experiencing in here. But, but that's not the picture that, that God has for us in the church. God, God wants us to, to take this, this great water of truth and love and grace and, and push it out into the world. I, I've told this story a bunch. I like it because I was an idiot. But when I, I might have been eight years old and we were making toasted cheese sandwiches, which were like butter on bread, cheese, a little extra butter, put them in the oven, turn it on broil, and then go play. That's how we, that's how we made them. Well, you can imagine that that's probably not a very good recipe, especially the end part, and then go play. 
because all of a sudden we had a fire in the oven. I was 10, maybe eight. My sister was 10. We have a fire in the oven. She's way more mature than I am, so she calls 911. I just turn the hose on outside and I run through the house with the hose and I stick the hose in the oven. Problem solved, right? Those poor firemen were at our house mopping up water for like an hour and a half, talking to, saying thank you for the help, right? Um, but it, it, it's a great picture because that, that I think, is, is this picture of the hydrant. That is, as Jesus followers, we connect to this hydrant. And then we go to the places that we live, the places that we work, the places that we play. And what we, what we do is we carry this massive hose of the truth of who Jesus is out into the world. It, can't, it cannot be inward. We can't just go to church. We have to be the church. Does that make sense? And, and we have to live our lives like connected to this, to this hydrant. So the impact is outward. The impact is also growing. Look at this, at this cool picture that Ezekiel paints for us in verse three. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and he led me through the water that was about ankle deep. And he measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. And he measured off another thousand cubits, led me through water that was up to my waist. And he measured off another thousand. But now it was a river I could not cross because the water had risen deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. Do you see it? The, the, more, that, the more that we walk into the need of this world, the, the more that this, this hose, this, this water, this power grows and grows and grows. And it's another interesting thing too, as we, as we continue to press into that, uh, you guys walk through ankle deep water, no problem, Right? Even water that's flowing pretty strongly, ankle deep water, you're, you're, you're in almost 100% control, right? Now all of a sudden it's knee deep and it's a little, you get a little less control as you start walking through some knee deep water. And then when you get into waist deep water, it's a little less control. And then finally you're in a water that you just have to swim in and you're really in very little control about the water, particularly you just kind of have to go where it goes. And, and I think that's a picture that he's saying as well. I think as, as we walk into this world, as we take this, this love and power and grace of Jesus into the world, uh, it starts with us. It, actually, did you notice it in verse two? I think it starts with a trickle. And the angel like points it out to him and says, hey, do you see that right there? And then invites him to walk ankle deep and then knee deep and then waist deep and then to be in a place where you're swimming in the stream of the spirit. And I think it's a picture of of our continual call to say yes to the things that God's called us to. He calls us to, to walk in ankle deep water and then he calls us to walk into knee deep water and hip deep water and then just invites us to this full thing. As, as our trust builds in him, the impact is growing and then look at this transformation that happens. It's transformational. In verse seven, he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. And he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into Arabah, which is, it's interesting. He mentions that, it's the only, uh, one of the only places he mentions. That's a place that's notorious for outlaws. So he's just even saying, hey, nobody's out of reach of this. Where it enters the Dead Sea, circle Dead Sea. You know why it's called the Dead Sea? Anybody know? Because it's dead. Yeah, because nothing lives in it. It's a very good name. 
But look what happens. When it empties into the sea, when, when this picture of the presence and power of God enters into this thing that's dead, look what happens. When it enters the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh and swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows and there will be a large number of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. When the power of God meets the need of this world, the world changes. When the power of God meets the needs of this world, the world changes. It's an interesting thing about Jesus. Because we know in this natural world, when something clean touches something dirty, what happens? What's clean becomes dirty, right? When something healthy comes into contact with something sick, what happens? That, that thing that was healthy becomes sick. But you know, in Jesus, it's opposite of that. In opposite, when, in, in the economy of Jesus, when something clean touches something dirty, what's dirty becomes clean. And the economy of Jesus, when something healthy touches something unhealthy, what's unhealthy becomes healthy. And one of the things that breaks my heart about the church is I think we forget that. And the result of forgetting that is that the church becomes a hideout instead of a hydrant. A place where, where we go, oh, I can't be with those kinds of people. I can't, I can't be seen with those kinds of people. And so we hide behind, behind these church walls and, and we become like that Rapunzel's tower out of fear and Jesus is saying, hey, 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 even Arabah, right? Even the place of outlaws, that's where my power and presence goes. And where my power and presence goes, my power and presence doesn't diminish. The darkness diminishes. The needs diminish. The thirst diminishes. The hatred diminishes. The division diminishes. It's transformational. Dead things become alive. And it's unexplainable. Look at this. Verse 10. Fishermen will stand along the shore from this place to this place and there will be places for spreading the nets. The salt or the fish will be many kinds like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. Mediterranean Sea is, a, is an ocean and this is a freshwater, freshwater fish and ocean fish don't go in the same place and it, there's a part of it that's just unexplainable. Like how does this happen? I don't know. And, you know, people will say, hey, how's, you know, how's Westwood survived through COVID? How's Westwood survived 20-something years? And, and really, here's what I say. I don't know. <laughs> as, as great as it would make me feel, go, oh, we have this great strategy. We have, these, we have this great plan. Um, honestly, I just have to say, I don't know. One of the characteristics of, of a church that, that is... Um, that is healthy is, is a sense of unexplainableness to it. You know, we, we started, we didn't have a chair. We didn't have one microphone. We didn't have one instrument. We, we were singing with, bar, not we, I wasn't singing. Um, that would be silly. Um, if people were here and I was singing, that would really be unexplainable. Um, 
we had borrowed instruments and borrowed microphones and borrowed chairs, borrowed lights. There's another time I walked through this auditorium that I'd done. So I just, I'm just amazed. I like, we own that chair. And that one. And that one. And I, and I don't know how. And, and to be the church is to live a life that's unexplainable. Hey, how did, how did you have grace to forgive that person? I don't know. How did you have the wisdom to give that person the advice, the exact advice that they needed at the exact right time? I don't know. We don't go back and go, oh, because I, re- I read this book and because I did this. We just say, I don't know. One more fruitful. Look what it says, verse 12. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fall or fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. It doesn't say, because they were smart enough as trees to go to the sanctuary and to get close to that. It just says, oh, here's the deal. Because water came out of the sanctuary and flowed to where they were at. They, there was fruit. And look what happened, look at this fruit. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. So it's like, here's this stream that happens and then this fruit begins to happen on the, on the banks and then that fruit becomes a blessing for the whole area. And I don't know if there's a better vision for what we want this church to be than that. Than women and men walking in such a way in the power and presence of God that, that people all around them are affected by it and those people are, become a blessing for other people. Anybody watch Ted Lasso? Guess Ted Lasso fans. I'm not telling you to watch it, but you should watch it. And um, we're going to just play the intro part of it. And what you're going to see is uh, this this coach Ted Lasso is going to sit in the stadium, this stadium that uh, the chairs are all graffitied and messed up. And and just around him, those chairs are going to start cleaning up. Not because he's scrubbing them, but just because he's present. Just notice that and then we'll, we'll watch it. Here we go. That's what we're called to do, to live lives that, that uh, our, our very presence in a room makes a difference because, because our presence means the power, presence and power of God is, is in that room. I skipped the verse, verse six. Verse six, it's like the angel halfway through is getting so excited, he asked this question, he said, do you see this? Do you see it? Do you see what's happening? Do you see how cool this is? Do you see how miraculous this is? Do you see how unexplainable this is? Do you see this? And uh, man, our world needs us to see this. To see it in such a way that's compelling for us. 
to say, oh man, you know what? Yeah, this world is dark and dry and lonely. But, but my house is gonna be different. My family is gonna be different. My block is gonna be different. My, my school is gonna be different because my classmates are gonna connect with the power of God. My coworkers are gonna connect to the power of God. We can't just go to church. We have to be the church. Living connected to this hydrant of love and grace and hope. That's, that's the vision of the church. That's the vision of the hydrant. So let me just close quickly with three practical things. Three things that we can say yes to. Kind of objectives. Because you can just go, gosh, I want to live a better life. But like, all right, what are some things I can start doing tomorrow that will actually help me live this vision out? One of them is just this. Let's be open to the stream in us and through us. Like we, we can't be this iron pipe that just like, I'm, I'm not soaking any of this stuff up, but I know my world needs it. So uh, my world needs this. So I'm just gonna be this pipeline. We can't do that. We have to recognize we need this. We need the power and presence of God in our lives. He used to say uh, a river, not a reservoir, but maybe a reservoir is a good picture because a reservoir like comes and fills up, right? And then distributes. <laughs> and and I, we need to recognize we need we need. God's power in our lives too. We need, we need him to work in, on our behalf as well. And then here's his question, number two. Let's, let's begin to pray this prayer. Let's ask God to give us a vision of the church, his vision of the church. Because when he gives us that, when he helps under, us understand that in different ways, it's gonna give us a better understanding of the vision for our lives. Then we go, man, if that's what God's calling me to. And man, I heard this the other day. It's brilliant. You know, if if there was a better life to be led than the life that Jesus offers, he would tell you about it. Do you know that? He would tell you. There's just not. And then this last little thing, I just, just encourage us, let's pray, let's pray as we go. Instead of, instead of mindlessly drive, even, even out of church today, Instead of just kind of mindlessly driving or driving to kind of something, just pay attention to some houses. Pay attention to drivers around you. Maybe begin to just pray for those houses as we drive. Can you imagine just, just this neighborhood? If, if people living or leaving this place just begin to pray for the houses that God would have mercy on, on that house and God would protect that house and God would uh, heal relationships in that house. And we might not know exactly what's going on, but just allow your, allow your prayers to happen and just see what happens. We, just imagine if we just took classrooms and workspaces and coffee shops and we would just pray. Um, let's be open to what God's doing. Then we're gonna, the band's gonna come up and um, we're gonna, we're gonna, they're gonna sing a song. They're gonna lead us in this song. And really, we're, I'm not gonna close in prayer because I want this song to be our prayer. And it just paints this picture of the church that we wanna be. And... Um, and as we sing it, here's this great thing. Remember who's the, who's the church? We are, right? So it's one thing to sing, to sing song, to say, oh yeah, I wanna be involved in an organization that's about those things, right? It's another thing you go, oh, I want my life to be about that. I want, I want my life to be about that. I want, my, I want to, my schedule to reflect those values. I want my pocketbook to reflect those values. I want, I want my thoughts to reflect those values. So that's what we're gonna do as we, as we sing 
So would you guys, will you just stand up uh, with me if you're able to do that? And we're gonna sing. And maybe some of you will just listen to these words and think, begin to think, what if, what if my life was like that? And maybe some of you, it can be a prayer that just says, this, this is what I want my life to be about. Here we go.